Hi, dear friends. Thanks for tuning in to this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom. I am coming to you from Malibu, California at the Calamigos um, Retreat Center, I think it is, or Guest Ranch. Maybe it's a Guest Ranch. Just back from Maui for the Open Your Heart in Paradise Ramdas retreats. Krishna and I had a one-day turnover there in Boise, and then we came here this morning for the Aubrey Marcus Fit for Service on it quarterly gathering of the folks in that tribe. East Forest Krishna, he's going to perform his ceremony concert this weekend for this group. So we're here for a few days. And oh, oh my gosh, it's just been crazy with all of this travel and the holiday season coming up. This is our last trip for a good long chunk of time. Um, really grateful when we got here today to Malibu, my friend, Paul, my, one of my partners, a business partner that I'm opening source meditation space with when I was in Boise yesterday. And I told him I was coming to Malibu. He said, Oh, you got to go by the self-realization fellowship, um, shrine that's there. And I said, okay, cool. Maybe I'll do that. And so we did when we arrived, um, we took some time and went to the lake shrine, which is the Self-Realization Fellowship Temple Park area right outside of Malibu, which is in the lineage of Paramanhansa, Yogananda, and Yukteswar. And um, yes, it was just super sweet and spectacular and such a um, beautiful way to ground for a moment in their gardens around the lake. They had, I didn't know this till we saw it, a peace shrine there of Mahatma Gandhi. They have some of his ashes and this beautiful urn. So that was really powerful and um, a, a treat, a surprise to have that energy right there. And then we did, Christian and I, a beautiful walk around the lake and then got to sit and meditate for a little while. And then there's a chapel temple, an old chapel temple too, which has, when you go inside to meditate, it's probably been there, gosh, I don't know, since the fifties or so, it has that, um, it has an aged feel to it, let's say. And the energy in it is, Corinne and I, my podcast coming up is with a dear, dear, dear friend of mine, Corinne Hathaway, who is one of the very first people that I met when I moved to Boise 10 years ago. She was a, first a yoga student of mine, even before I had Sage Yoga and Wellness. And then she followed me over to Sage and then she did her teacher training. And she's been a teacher at Sage for many, 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 many years. And she's kind of my go-to uh, a sub when I'm out here in the world on these crazy different adventures. She covers a lot of classes for me and we've traveled a little bit together. And anyways, in this conversation, she and I, this is who I'm talking with in this conversation, Corinne, she's just back from one of our favorite spots, Teotihuacan. And in the conversation, to jump forward, we talk about the energy and the feeling of spaces that have a lot of spiritual potency. And I'm kind of describing in the podcast, this, the, it's like a viscous, like thick, heavy density, like a weighted feeling. That's, I guess my best interpretation of it's like deeply grounded and 
huge at the same time. So on the podcast, we're sort of talking about that. And then when I was in this temple just today, or this little chapel, I should say, I felt the same kind of energy. It's like you sit down and immediately you're there and you don't want to move and you can feel so much presence and so much power. One interpretation I have is when you go to some sacred and holy sites, there's been so many, so many prayers and so many blessings and so many, so much intentional focused energy from, you know, thousands or millions or who knows how many people coming there over the years uh, that it's alive. Like the place feels alive when you drop into it. So this temple, or I, I don't know, they probably don't call it a temple. I think they called it a chapel. This chapel there on the water had that same feeling. So that's just to say, really great to have gone by there. Um, I wasn't planning on that. And so I'm always happy when I can visit sacred sites out there here in the world. Another sacred site, a simple one, is just the ocean. We hope to catch the sunset on the Pacific tonight. And um, they can then get into the experience of Aubrey and the East Forest Ceremony and whatever else this time here might bring. Um, I love being in California too. It's, it's, uh, it's got its own particular energy that's very unique to this place. And um, yeah, anyways, I could go on, but that's probably enough for now. Like I said, this conversation is with the amazing, the wonderful, the beautiful, the super talented Corinne Hathaway. I'll put a link to her website um, below the post for this. Oh yeah, and I should say, which I forget to say most of the time, if you haven't yet reviewed the podcast, five stars is really great. If you're listening on iTunes, you can just scroll down there at the bottom of this and you can give it a five-star review and then even writing a little, yay, it's wonderful, it's awesome, I love it, words is very helpful. It helps to um, spread its uh, influence and notoriety and more people hear it and see it. So that's helpful to me. I just do this as an act of service. I really enjoy having these conversations and sharing meditations and um, random stories and insights and blah, 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 the blah, blah, hey. So it's just fun for me. And the more people who listen, the better. So if you haven't done that yet, please do. I really appreciate it. And with that, let's get into this conversation with the Agape Portal, Corinne Hathaway. Hi, Corinne. Hi, Marissa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm... Um, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to I've been looking forward to this conversation with you, especially since you've recently spent so much time in Teotihuacan, mm-hmm. and I feel like I want to hear about your recent adventures there and mm-hmm. insights or awakenings or what's happening with you or through you from those experiences. Okay, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> And Teo, I guess we can talk about a little bit. Teo Tiduacan is a site outside of Mexico City that was is believed to have been built by the Toltecs, pre-Aztec. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, built by the Teotihuacanos who came out of the earth and built this city and then went back into the earth and then the Toltecs found it and there were sorcery and all kinds of things that went on there. But it was a city, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a city. It was a marketplace mm-hmm. said to exist at around the same time as ancient Rome, I believe, if I remember correctly. Does that sound right to you? You've been yeah. there more times than I have. And the population was maybe around 200,000 or more. Yeah, it's massive. It was massive. And then the Toltecs were there for a while and then they screwed everything up because they got too obsessed with magic. And so they all had to run away. And were then they? like the Aztecs found it for a little while while they mm-hmm. were waiting for the sign to build Mexico City. And then it like went under the ground. Went underground. Yeah. It like went underground and was like rediscovered. Like the jungle took it over. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like the earth just was and like And a lot of swallow. places like that have, or parts of Teo are still unexcavated. It's funny. I was just mm-hmm. driving here today back to the house from the co-op and I was thinking about, for whatever reason, <laughs> apocalypse time, apocalyptic time in the future. Like, oh, we have... Um, roads everywhere. Does that mean, how is the earth going to come back up onto the roads once the humans aren't here here anymore? I'm like, oh yeah, that's kind of what happened there. Just mm-hmm. goes over the top of it. Yep. Yeah. Just comes up through the concrete and like takes over, just mm-hmm. eats it. And the name Teotihuacan is translated as the place where my, man becomes God. Yep. Right? Yeah. The place where man becomes God, or as our teacher Lee prefers, the place where man awakens to God. But I like I like the place where man becomes God personally. Or goddess. Or woman becomes right. goddess. Yeah. Non-gender specific. It's, it's finding that like God self really at yes. the end of the day is what it is. Yeah. And I guess maybe we'll start too. Teo is a place that I first went to in December of 2008 after having met the teacher Lee McCormick who invited me there. And he has been going there for probably like 25 years now, maybe. Yeah, a really long time. And he was trained by Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote the book, The Four Agreements, and all the books in that Toltec tradition. And he was a student of Don Miguel, and they would go there and go to the site of Teotihuacan and use it as he described it was designed for, as this universe city, this place of self-awakening. And then Lee and I met, and he invited me there, and that was my first journey through Teo with another teacher, Kevin Griffin, who's a Buddhist teacher. And um, then I went back almost every year after that and started teaching yoga for the groups and learning more about the place and the experience and that form of shamanism. And then led my first group there with Celeste, our good friend, in 2012. And then maybe have been back like five times since then or so, but I haven't been back in a number of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last time I was there was December of 2017. Okay. So a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And you went there first with me in maybe December of 2016? Yeah, that sounds right. It's been four years, I guess. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's going to be 2020. Yeah. So I think 16 sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I went with you and Lee and our like sweet little group of people from Boise. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what is this place? Holy cow. So what is this place? How would you describe it as a, as a like retreat-ish oh, guest yeah, coming? Because yeah. you don't really know what you're getting into. And it, it is hard to describe and it'll even be difficult for us to describe. It is. Yeah, it is. Well, and even, you know, 
Lee and now um, you and and now Jenny Gentry, who is another one of my teachers now who I've gone with a couple of times. Um, they always say at the end of the trips, like, don't go home and try to explain this because you won't mm-hmm. be able to. Don't just try to tell people what you've experienced or what has happened because they'll either, A, think you're completely insane or B, they're just going to be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So it is really challenging to describe it. The way that it's, I guess, felt to me now that I've been back, this was my third trip back. So the way that it feels now is like, it's this like energetic place where it feels like there's energy moving up from the earth, like into these pyramids and into this this whole place. And that when we are there, we can actually connect with that energy that's moving up. And through that, we're able to like open ourselves up as more of like a channel mm-hmm. and receive like mass high frequency of like light energy mm-hmm. is what it feels like to me now. <laughs> yes. Even that sounds crazy probably, but. That there are certain spots in Teo, in the temples, in pyramids and mm-hmm. complexes that have let's say, portal energy mm-hmm. that connects you into the earth energy. And then at the same time, cosmic energy, right? upward flowing energy. Which are the same, really. If you, The way that I feel it is that the cosmic energy is moving down into us, mm-hmm. but we're not necessarily able to understand it as like humans and human with human minds. And so the cosmic energy, if we're an open enough, portal, if we're not so closed off by, you know, our beliefs and things like that, it's able to travel through us into the earth. And then the earth speaks our language and can put it back into us and we can receive it then Hmm. as like something that makes sense Mm -hmm. or a feeling Mm -hmm. or, you know, like a gut instinct or intuition or, Mm -hmm. you know, those little voices in your mind or your head that are like, this is right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that phrase. I've never thought of it that way that it goes from the cosmos through you into the earth and the earth then retranslates it for you. That's what it feels like to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I guess I've always felt of it more like both happening simultaneously. Yeah, I know for sure. That's, it is happening at the same time, but it's kind of like we're receiving from the earth and receiving cosmically at the same time. And it's just this I'm making hand motions, which no one's going to be able to see, but up it's, and down. Up <laughs> it's and this down. up and down sort of fluid, yeah, thing that's happening. Um, and I think part of the reason Teo, you know, and there's other places in the world, of course, that have, you know, high frequencies and where you can feel like more connected to that energy than other places. But the reason that I think Teo is so powerful is because it is like a vortex where there's energy moving up from the earth anyway, like mm-hmm. powerful energies moving up from the earth. And so when our messages get received or whatever, when we have that connection to the earth, it's almost like instead of it moving on like, I don't know, um, moving on like a a two lane highway and like somewhere rural, it's on like a super highway. And so it's just moving so much more quickly. Yes. So we're receiving these messages. It's 5G. Like, turbo speed. Yes, it's 5G. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, instead of dial up. Bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I now that talking about it a little bit more too, I guess the way to describe it is within that framework of like the four agreements, when you come or when you come for the first time or every time, you're working with your belief structures in your mind about who you think you are and how you think the world operates and the 
constructs that you've gotten from culture and society about yourself and others in the world and the way the world is, which is very closed, prison-like, boxed in, you arrive with that framework. And then the process of being in Teo over four or five days is unraveling those stories and beliefs and dropping them and working through them. Some really literally and some in more like shamanic, organic, energetic ways. And then stripping yourself of those beliefs and opening yourself up and cleansing and clearing and grounding. And then the on the other side of it is this feeling of heaven, heaven on earth, right? That we yeah. often get to. Like, yeah, oh, exactly. this is it. Here we are. Yeah. Life can be this way. Oh, it can be totally different than the paradigm that I walked in here with. Oh, mm-hmm. it can feel really good. And actually, I'm in charge of Mm-hmm. It being that way and me having this experience and I can get there and feel it and I'm feeling it right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, the whole Toltec philosophy is that our life is a dream and we're dreaming it as we go and we are responsible to dream our life into creation however we want to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we get so bogged down by all of that stuff, by the, like, you know, who we think we are and whose society and culture tells us that we are and who our families of origin tell us that we are, who, you know, there's so many different people trying to tell us who we are. And we want to know. And we want to know. Who am I? Why am I here? Tell me. Tell me who I am, please. And then once you peel that away, you're like, oh, I'm me and I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I'm light. Yeah. I'm I'm energy. Mm -hmm. I'm love. Yeah, Totally. And it's the Toltec tradition too is one of artists, right? Mm-hmm. Artists and dreamers. of the spirit. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, so it's that <clears throat> I know right now, especially with, you know, millennials and, and Z-Gen and iGen and all those, you know, new generation of people, it's creativity is like the number one, right? Like when you are like listing things on your resume, like the number one thing that you want to put on your resume is like, I'm creative, aka hmm. I'm an artist. I'm a writer. I'm a painter. I'm a filmmaker. But we're all creative. Like that's the whole purpose. That's what we are as humans is like we all are artists of our own spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting realization and something that I feel really powerful in sharing or really called to share um, like in teaching yoga and all of the other things that I do is just like that little voice or that little reminder that's like, you're not just creative if you make art. Like you literally are creating at all times. Like that's what we're doing with this life. <laughs> and you have created your life. Exactly. Or yeah. you are creating You have, life. you are, and you will be until you die. And then mm-hmm. maybe you'll create another life. Who knows? Before you'd been to Teo, how did that message resonate with you? I think for me, before Teo, one of the um, like the beliefs that I was really strong about was like, I'm good just the way I am and I don't need anyone or anything. Like, I'm amazing. Everyone else is just judging me or whatever. But it was very defensive. And creativity was like something that was like a secret, mm-hmm. like secrets have played a huge role in my life. Creativity was one of those early secrets that it was like, yeah, I'm a writer, but I don't talk about it. Because if you talk about it, then it's not, you're not really creative. Now you're just like tooting your own horn kind of thing. Or 
I'm not a painter. That's definitely not who I am. But even music, like mm-hmm. singing or creating melodies or any of that, like it's all, those are all things that I, I felt connected to, but it wasn't something that you were allowed to talk about. And then, and again, it was in the separate box. It was like creativity is in this box over here. And then like other things are in these other boxes. And then I went to Teo and it was like, oh no, like this is all the creation. Like this is all creativity, like everything that we do from, you know, paying your stupid bills to like anything. It's all, it's all part of creating this life that we live. It's all part of creating our own life and, and unraveling the stuff like things that belong in separate boxes. Mm-hmm. Like the separation is just not real. So then did you begin to claim your creativity more? How do you feel now about saying something like, I'm a painter or I'm a writer? Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's that part of me that's like, I'm not a anything, right? Because okay. if you think about Toltec philosophy, it's like, you just are, right? Mm-hmm. Like you aren't the roles that you play, but I am creative. I do sing and I do create melodies and I do write and I do, and I feel very good about claiming those things now mm-hmm. and very comfortable with sharing those things and who I am. And, and it sounds like perhaps before there was this defense structure around like, well, I don't want to say that that's who I am because that's maybe me being boastful. But at the same time, then it's limiting yourself from owning your own power. Totally. Owning my power has definitely been, that was probably, you know how when you go to Teo, there seems to be like one very specific message that repeats itself throughout your your whole journey, Mm -hmm. like on that particular trip. It's like each trip has its own like layer that it's going to rip off of you or tear away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my second Teo trip, the one I went on just this last April, was all about claiming power, claiming my power and not giving it away and not not constantly seeking or being in this place of like, I need to find a teacher for this and a teacher for that and a teacher for this. And, um, you know, not necessarily seeking like, you have to have a certification and you have to have a, all of that, that the education, mm-hmm. which I love. Like mm-hmm. I love learning. Mm-hmm. So sort of morphing out of student phase into like somewhat master phase in a little way. Yeah. But at the same time, like feeling very grateful for how much I'm still learning from so many people, but even on just such a smaller level, like, or a bigger level, I guess, is just seeing everybody as this like mirror to my own life and this mirror to my own experience. And so not feeling like there's a category of people in my life where it's like, okay, you fall into the category or the category of teacher. Mm -hmm. And then you fall into the category of friend and you fall into the, but realizing that there aren't any of those labels and there aren't any of those categories and that everyone, teachers, students, me, (laughs) we're all just mirroring each other. Mm-hmm. and learning through the mirror of being together. And and I think that was a big lesson that I I had to realize that there wasn't somebody out there who was going to like give me this like gold plate that said, here you go. Like you are now a teacher or you are now a, th- a this. Like I was like seeking this validation, I think, in my life. Like if I was good enough, people would want me to do this or want me to do that. And really 
I just have to do what I want to do <laughs> without uh-huh. the permission. I think uh-huh. it was more of a permission piece maybe. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, realizing that in seeking that permission or seeking that validation from others. And I mean, it still shows up, but it's a lot less frequent than it used to be. Um, seeking that validation was like a way of giving away my power. Mm-hmm. So social media for a while there was a way that I was giving away my power because I was only on social media. I mean, I didn't realize I was only on there for this reason, but now I do. I was looking for that validation from other people in the world. Like, you're doing great. You're awesome, right? Like, I was seeking that validation. And it, so it always made me feel terrible because it, it wasn't, wasn't true or authentic. It wasn't real. Like, I Or is it ever enough? Right, exactly. It's a black hole. Totally. You'll get some, but then you feel it for, it's like a little tiny blip. Right. Then the next thing you know, you're like, well, how many followers do I have? (laughs) Or how many likes do I have? Or did anybody like that post? Or did these certain people like that post that I put value on? Like, (laughs) which is why I had to go away from social media for a while. Well, how do you feel about it now? Because it seems like you've come out as a new identity. Yeah, it feels that way. I mean, so part of Teotihuacan is also walking that path of the Toltecs is a path of rebirth every time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a path of taking all the gross, dark, hard, challenging, the, just the stuff and and shedding those layers and coming out the other side with more understanding and, and more light and just more light, more connection to the light. And so, yeah, I think... Um, I, the reason I actually went back to Teo just this last month was because when I was there in April and I had that sort of like reclaiming my power experience, it was almost like there was a guide or someone telling me like, great, okay, we've given you this. You've had this experience. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And we want you to come back in three months and tell us and show us and like, you can't you can't have the next stage of your evolution if we don't see that you're like taking action steps on this like work we've given you. Cool. So you had like some kind of astral life coach. Totally. Yeah, 100%. They're yeah, after this last trip to Teo, they're literally with me all the time now. And who is they? Um, I call them the all. Okay. It's so sometimes they have names, sometimes they'll come through like I've talked to um I've talked to the Archangel Gabriel a few times. Mm-hmm. Like he's come through. But oftentimes it's just like this definitely not me message that I'm receiving. And they say that they're the all. They call themselves the all. And people have referred to them by lots of different names. Um, it's, you know, so most the clearest message I get is messages I get are when I'm... Um, reading my own Akashic records when I'm in my own Akashic records, Mm -hmm. which are the records of your soul's history, basically. And so that's when I get the clearest communication because I'm in there very intentionally. And so they're technically the the entities, they're light beings. So it's not humans or people who have been human or anything like that. They're light beings. And they've been referred to as the masters, teachers, and loved ones. But it's become clear to me that it's a lot more than that, that there's a lot more being shared. Than so just- it's like in when I'm listening to you talk, I'm imagining you in this dimension of reality. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like there's a bleacher around you with beings who are like witnessing and observing that are connected. 
Yeah. And I guess but formless. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't get a lot of images. Okay. So visions has never been my thing. Like what's your thing? Um, I am feeling and hearing are my two. So like um clairaudient, like hearing messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then empathic, being able to feel both my own and from others and just getting a feeling of what is true and what isn't. Um, I get visions very, very occasionally, mm-hmm. but I don't often, I'm not often shown things. And it's interesting because out of all of my senses, my vision as a human is the worst. Like mm-hmm. all of my other senses are really strong, but my sense of sight is like terrible. Like if I don't have glasses or contacts and I'm so blind and I feel like that's part of it maybe. I don't know. I would say yes to that, but I have really terrible vision too and even color blinds, but I feel like I see things sometimes. Yeah. Or have visions or dreams. It's mm-hmm. more like dream state. I do. I well, and know. when I do, like when I'm in past life, like if I go into like past life healing, mm-hmm. like if I'm looking at past lives, then I definitely get visualizations or images. Or if I'm um, like if I'm reading, doing Akashic Records readings for other people, mm-hmm. I will get images sometimes. But for myself, I rarely get images, but I get a lot of words and a lot of sounds and a lot of melodies. It's like that movie Close Encounters Mm -hmm. when he like knew that that one melody would be like how he could communicate with aliens. It's like that. That's what it feels like. You've got your own melody communication. They just, yeah, they like, it comes through in music. I don't know. It's really interesting. Yeah. And then I have to figure out what those notes are on like Hmm. the keyboard. (laughs) <laughs> so the you were your second time in Teo, you were walking, stepping into your power mm-hmm. through all the different ways that it happens there. Mm-hmm. And then this invitation to take that, take form or action into the world and then come back to mm-hmm. Teo mm-hmm. and show us what you're doing and up to. Mm-hmm. And so then what was your last time at Teo like? Oh my gosh. So um <sighs> My last time at Teo was, hmm, so it was, I felt immediately, like, tapped in, tuned in, connected. You know how, like, if you haven't been maybe to Teo or somewhere spiritual that you, or energetic, you haven't been for a while, it takes, like, a minute, Mm -hmm. you know, like... For me, Teo was always like that first day. I was never really there. Like Mm -hmm. it always felt like I was getting to it. And the first day is when we do all the horrible stuff. But it was just like, I just never, (laughs) the last few times, it was like the first day was always really challenging. But this time it was like, I walked into Teo and Teo was like, hello, welcome back. We've been waiting for you. Mm. Like it felt so easy to walk in. And, um, And so then, yeah, going through the process of Teo and... Um, it was interesting too, because I knew more people that were in our group that time too. So I think there was part of me that was able to just maybe feel more comfortable right off the bat uh-huh. because I knew several people that were there and obviously I knew Lee and I knew Ginny. So it was very much this like reunion feeling. Yeah. Which is always really nice. So nice. It's like warm. You get there and everyone's hugging and like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. My spiritual family. Yeah. My son, yeah. Your God. cosmic family. Um, yeah, and I met so my roommate this this time. She um, is this amazing woman from um, from Nashville. She's um, just a little bit younger than me, and so she was my roommate. And she um, 
she was truly like cosmic little sister, like no question about it. Like the whole time I just felt like she was like my, like my full on sister. Mm -hmm. Like there was no question. And uh, I've always felt like, you know, Lee has a very like cosmic dad element to him for sure for me. Yeah. Um, And then Ginny is like a cosmic mama. I don't know. It just, there was a lot of family this time, which was beautiful. It was really beautiful. And then Teo's like the over-encompassing like matriarch, patriarch of us all, right? Like mm-hmm. holding us all. So yeah. So I went in without any expectations, which I think is also a gift of your third trip because your second trip, you're like, well, on my first trip, all these cool things <laughs> yes. happened. Yeah. And so they're going to happen again, right? Yep. And then they don't, right? Because <laughs> you're like expecting them. Um And so this time I was like, well, whatever, like I'm here. I just know I need to go. I just know I need to be here. And so, yeah, it was totally expansively, massively amazing and huge. And I just felt, I felt so much more clear and tuned in to the frequencies of Teo and just to the different, um, you know, vibrations and energies that run through that place. Like it, you know, instead of having to like close my eyes and sit down and like really breathe into it and try to, you know, feel the space, feel the space, feel the space. It was like, I could just, I could drop right in. Mm -hmm. And it felt really good to be able to do that. Um, Yeah. So I, um, I was towards the end, I guess it was towards the end of the trip, like towards the last day or two in Teo, um, I started opening my Akashic records like while in Teo just okay. to see what that would be like. And uh, <laughs> it was like, it was like that super highway I was talking about, like the five, the 5G. It was mm-hmm. just like getting like these feelings and these images. I was getting images and I was getting words and I was getting, it was feelings more than anything, but it was. So when you open your Akashic records, mm-hmm. you have a question no, so um, or you're just like I'm opening the Akashic records. I just, so I open them, yeah. So I use the pathway prayer process. Uh-huh. Um, is how I how I actively open them. So it's your soul's record, mm-hmm. and then it's showing you from the past or the future or what is. Yeah, so it's like basically the guidance is coming from the cosmic team that's out there, whether it's in your arena or however you want to see it, but it's your cosmic team and it could be, um, yeah. And they're giving you, you're receiving messages. The way that it works for me is I open my records and whatever I need to hear right then, or whatever I need to know in that moment, like what's the most important thing Mm -hmm. just immediately comes through. Okay. Like, instantly. And it could be something simple. Totally. Sometimes it's a few minutes and I'm, there's done, there's nothing. It's like dead air after that. And I'm like, okay, we're done. Other times it's, um, you know, I'm opening as myself as a channel to this like highest realm, like the Akashic realm is like the highest realm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm opening myself as a channel to that energy. And so then when you're in a place, it's kind of like you're opening the Akashic records of that place too. Oh. So you're receiving, you know, whether it's images or um, 
feelings or words or whatever, but you're receiving kind of stuff from the energy of Teo at the same time, like the Akashic Records of Teo. So then when you were opening the Akashic Records in Teo, you then were receiving information about the place? Right. And whether it was me, I mean, there's a good chance that my soul has lived in Teo before in another Mm -hmm. like incarnation. I feel like if you're really drawn to a place, inevitably it means you've had a past life there mm-hmm. at some point or another. Or it means past lives can be existing at the same time, right? So um, so it could be that that's what it was. I didn't get the clearest guidance on that. But it was definitely, I was more open to receive, um, yeah, just the the frequencies of Teo and the energies of Teo, like they felt like they were flowing through me really intensely. Mm-hmm. And then the benefit of that or the reason to do that is what? Because it's fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're learning about yourself? Because I'm learning about myself and because I've been to Teo a few times now and because, you know, reading the Akashic Records, just like anything, is a practice. Uh-huh. And so the more I can go into the records for myself and for others, the more that I'm able to receive. I mean, it's, you know, it's no different than teaching yoga. Like, the more you teach, the better teacher you become. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like You're reminding clearer. me this third time that I was there, there was a woman on our trip who read the Akashic Records. And it was the first time I've ever had my, I, I would say the first and only time I've ever had my Akashic Records read was with her sitting in on the lawn at the Dreaming House out towards the back before the labyrinth was there in that kind of area. And I had my Akashic Records then, read then. Do you remember anything that she told you? A little bit, a little bit. I remember having that a, a curiosity of like, well, have I, like, how many lives have I had here? That kind of mm-hmm. thing. And she said something, I don't quite remember exactly what it was, but it was like, no, you weren't here, but you were connected to here. Like mm-hmm. you were in a different part of Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that makes sense, maybe. Because I have a lot of resonance with the Mayans. And then I remember too being maybe newly married. Bill and I probably had gotten married that year, the year before or something like that. And I was asking about, you know, that relationship. And she's like, well... It's like this. It's like you're in a big, it's like you're at a dance and there's all kinds of people there and you see each other and you decide to dance together and you're going to have a dance together for however however long you decide that you're going to have a dance. And it was kind of like, you don't have like lots of karma that you're working out or like this big, like it has to be this thing. It's she's like, it's just like you've just decided that you think each other are interesting huh. and you're going to dance together. Makes that sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense now, especially. Yeah, in retrospect. Yeah. But I remember hearing hearing it because you sort of always do. You want to hear like, well, this is your soulmate. And you have finally found each other after um, 20 million lifetimes. You want a clear answer. (laughs) And it was sort of just like a a casualness almost. And Mm -hmm. it was like, hmm, okay. Yeah. I will say that the all energy or the master's teachers, loved ones or whatever, whatever they kind of call themselves or that energy that I channel when I'm in the records is not always very clear. And so sometimes when I'm reading for other people, they'll have these questions like, you know, very specific questions. And like, you're just not going to get that like 
black and white answer. That's just not how it works. It's like you hear what you need to hear mm-hmm. to do what you need to do. Mm. Whether that means it's going to cause you to seek something further, whether that means it's going to allow you to let something go, you don't get like a, yes, you have found your soulmate and you will live happily ever after, forever and ever. Like that's just, you might get like, oh yeah, your souls have lived together before. Mm-hmm. You know, you might get something like that. Like, oh, this person has been your child in another lifetime or something like that you might get. But yeah, you won't get that definite like, yes, this is correct. For example, um, before I went on this last trip to Teo, I I wanted to go. I knew I wanted to go. But I was like, ah, oh, irresponsible. I shouldn't go. I just was there three months ago, like, you know, letting my human mind get in the way of things. And... Basically, it ended up that I decided I was going to go and I was literally about to buy my plane ticket. And I was like, oh, man, I haven't told Megan, my partner, like I haven't told Megan that I'm going to go yet. I can't buy my plane ticket and not tell her. That would be like really disrespectful. It's <laughs> like, oh, she might not. She, I don't know if she'll be cool with me going. She'll have to stay home with the dog. Da, 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 da. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go into my records and ask, like, how is this going to go? Like, should I go? You know, and of course, the answer was like, you already know the answer. That was the answer I got. Was, you already know the answer. It's like, should I go to Teo? You already know the answer. Which is the truth. Which is the truth. Because I already knew the answer. Well, it's a truth. I feel like we always know the answer. We do. We always really know mm-hmm. what the yes or no is. It's so true. But we don't want to hear it or we refuse to hear it or we quite mm-hmm. can't hear it for certain reasons. But then it's usually you have that feeling of like, I knew that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Good or bad or however else. Exactly. But then what worked out really well is I was like, well, how's Megan going to respond to me telling her that I'm going to Mexico again, like three months after I just went? So did you ask that in your Akashic records? I did. And uh, all energies were like, she will support you. Clear. She will support you. That was it. There had nothing else to say. And I was like, okay. So then I told her and she's like, great, babe. That's awesome. Great. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like. I was really nervous. I was really nervous about telling you. And it was fine. How was it when you got back? Great. Good. Yeah. We we talked while I was there. And um, yeah, no, totally great. Absolutely. I still would love for her to come with me sometime, but you know, we're all on our own journey. We are. Can't force anyone to go somewhere with you. We can. Bill went with me. You were there. He was with us on my first trip. trip. Yeah. And I had been going for eight years. When you finally came. Yeah, exactly. Takes as long as it takes. Mm-hmm. And I think he liked it. Mm-hmm. I remember his big realization, if I can share, I don't think he would be upset if I share. His real big realization was, I'm not my thoughts. Yeah. He got that one. Yeah. Uh, mine on that trip was that I am connected to like the source, the light, all of it. Like I'm not alone. I'm not out here on this island by myself. It was like this very clear I am connected to everything. And like ever since that message came through, it's been just like the little stuff is so much less irritating. You know, like um, like that feeling I had of like, don't worry about what other people think, but was really like a defense mechanism that I had mm-hmm. for so long. It became like you don't have to worry about what other people think because you are connected, which means that you're living your truth, which means it doesn't matter what other people think. And that your tribe, your family, whatever you want to call it, will find you regardless. Mm -hmm. And that has been a very clear 
thing in my life since that first Teo trip is like people coming into my life and it being like, of course you're in my life. Like it doesn't feel challenging. Like relationships don't feel as challenging as they used to. Yeah. And in some ways from that old belief too, you were keeping yourself disconnected. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. I love it. I love that we have teachers and opportunities and ways and places that we can go to and experience that can take us into a realm of ourself that's beyond the, that's formless mm -hmm. and that we can understand ourselves at such a deeper, more holistic level than we ever have before. And it just continues to unwind and go deeper and deeper and deeper mm -hmm. every single time. There's always more there. Always more. That's what's so great about, I think, the experience of Teo is much like the Toltecs. Like, sure, there's these crazy cosmic energies and light and frequencies and you can get really wrapped up in all of that. Like you see things and you feel things and, you know, you can have these like kind of supernatural-esque experiences, but you're not there for that. Like that's not the purpose of walking this path in Teotihuacan. I mean, this purpose is unraveling. It is taking off those masks and those layers of yourself and just realizing like who you are as a soul and who you are from your heart. And, you know, that other stuff is there, but that's not why you're going. Or no. if it is, it's not going to work for you. <laughs> no. And you can never predict how that shows up anyways. Exactly. The magic and play of it all. Totally. Yeah. Because it can show up anywhere. Mm -hmm. You mean the grocery store and have like a crazy cosmic message and you're like, Okay, that's when that needed to come through. I get cosmic messages in the showers, in the shower, like all the time. Like that's where like all of my really great messages seem to come through is when I'm in the shower. Hmm. Maybe yeah, you're super like, relaxed in the shower. The water. It's, it's my Scorpio, water. Scorpio, Pisces. It, well, yes. Water, yeah. water, water. And speaking of water, there's a new place that we've been going to and you've gone more than me now. Um, what's the name of it? You're not supposed to tell people. Oh, we're not? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just I kidding. I want to say Tatitla, but that's a site off of Teotihuacan. It's, it's called Tolentango. Tolentango. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Tolentango is a cave mountain spring, maybe like three hours from Teo or further. It's in yeah, the Durango it's in, state. Or it's Hidalgo. in Hidalgo. Mm -hmm. It's in Hidalgo. It's probably, I mean, they tell you in Mexico, everything takes three hours. Okay. So that's what it is in my mind. Right. Everything. It seems far. It's three hours in Mexico. I don't care where you are, where you're going. They're like, that's about three hours every time. <laughs> but it's, I feel like it's more like four. Yes. And so Tolentongo is a site. It's a mountainous spring site, which we're used to here in Idaho. But it's like cave dwelling, geothermal water, pools overlooking a cliff in this like stalactite cave. But then there are these side caves that are totally pitch black <laughs> that you can go into that the water's rushing out of and it's amazing. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we refer to it now, I guess, as the, the heaven on earth water place. The heaven on earth water place. And I think what's so magical and special about it is that you, after you go through Teo and you've just like shed all these layers and done all this deep healing and done all this deep work, you're kind of raw, mm -hmm. right? You're just kind of in this like 
you feel good, but you're just like, oh, now what do I do? And then you go to Tolentango and you get in this hot water and you're deep in this like cave that nobody can enter that cave and not just see the mother mm-hmm. everywhere. Like it's impossible. It's everywhere. And so then you're just in this like warm womb, nurturing mother, like water place. And it's like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Big exhale. Did you the first time that we went there, the only time that I've been there, and there's this there's the large pool, and then there's the side cave that's a lot smaller. It's maybe like six feet high and maybe six mm-hmm. feet wide. And it's a dark tunnel that goes into the side of the mountain. And there's a couple pools that you get to that are maybe like waist high with the water. And then you go all the way to the end, and then there's this little tunnel that you can crawl in, but only one at a time. And you're on your like feet in a squat (laughs) crawling through. And then you get to a spot where you stop and it's 100% pitch black and you're inside of this mountain and it's wet. And the feeling is like pulsating mother earth all around Mm -hmm. you in pitch blackness. Yeah. I didn't go all the way in because that was my first trip to Teo. I haven't actually been in the little cave since that first trip. Um, But I didn't go all the way in that teeny tiny single person hole because before that cave that we went into, I had a story that I was claustrophobic my whole life. Like I remember that now. Elevators were scary. Yeah. Yeah, I'm claustrophobic. I remember you saying that. We got to this little tiny cave and we started walking back and it was dark and there's, yeah, you're stepping in water. You can't see anything. And I'm like, being claustrophobic is just a story. I'm not claustrophobic. Like everybody else was going in the cave. I wanted to go in the cave. Uh-huh. So it's like, I'm not claustrophobic. I'm not claustrophobic. That was just a story. That was just a story. And so I made it all the way to the back wall. And then I think it was you and Carrie maybe who went into the little tiny hole. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. But I was like, I feel really good and accomplished about making <laughs> it to the back. Like I don't need to go into the tiny hole. However, I will say now that I've been back, so I haven't gone into that little side cave again. Um, I was going to this time, but then I sprained my ankle and I ended up getting laid up in Tolentanko and I couldn't do anything, but oh well. Um, But the second time I went, and when you go to the other side of the river and you hike up to the top, it's this like magical fairyland place up there. It's like above the big cave. Mm -hmm. I haven't been up there. And you... Once you get all the way to the top, there is this, like, you can swim. It's like this crystal clear, like, it's cool water. It's not hot water. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, just this really crystal clear, like, mountain spring water. Um, But there is this, like, you can swim under, I mean, like, there's probably, like, maybe an inch or two of air Hmm. between the top of the cave and the water. So you kind of have to swim under and you kind of have to like get your nose and mouth in or like your face in. But then on the other side, it's like a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. But then you can keep kind of going and there's like this like slot in the back that you can't actually fit in, but you can put like your head in there. Mm-hmm. And wow. it's kind of got that same just like sort of energy about it where you get in there and you're like, whoa. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. mother. Yeah. It was like, wom, 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 wom. Like I am inside of the earth. All of my whole body or like being buried alive or something. But you're yeah. just like curled in this but without squat. Fear. <laughs> no fear, but awe for sure. Yeah. And <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's a special place and um, it's rural. So it's not, you know, we stay there now. We'll stay for two nights. Um, and it's it's not a resort, even though it's called no. a resort. But it's not a resort, right? Like it's, 
yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty rural, but, um, Oh, it's so great. And I think that's part of the reason I love it too. That's part of its charm is that it's not super fancy. Mm-hmm. So it keeps a lot of tourists away. It's off the beaten path. You weren't, you're not going to yeah. go there unless you're going there. Yes, exactly. Well, the other place that we love to go to when we go to Mexico is the Basilica mm-hmm. of Guadalupe. And that's usually done at the end of the trip. Mm-hmm. We go there when everybody's leaving and going to the airport. We take the morning an early afternoon to go there. Mm-hmm. And that's a favorite, special, incredible, magical, wonderful, powerful, potent mother place too. <laughs> yeah. And that place is so, it's so potent and so powerful. Like I have no Catholic background at all. Like none. I was raised like Christian Methodist. Like there's no Catholicism in my bones at all. And it doesn't matter when I go there. I am just like, I am in it. Like I am feeling that bhakti. Like I am devotional and I am loving. And it's just, oh, it's so special. And well, yeah. she, Guadalupe, has got us beyond the form of Christianity. Totally. She's in the symbol of Mary the mother, but it's really such an Aztec symbol too. Mm-hmm. And goddess, fire, source. Yeah. Purity, energy. Yeah. Well, and it's such an interesting place because you think the basilica and you think just like the main, there's like the main church, mm-hmm. you know, where the tilma is. Mm-hmm. But there's like four other churches on yeah. that site. Like, obviously, it's a sacred place. There's all of these other, you know, all of these other places. There's like the place where the well is and there's the place, there's the Church of Juan Diego. Mm-hmm. And then there's the original basilica up on the hill, which mm-hmm. is my favorite place. Yeah. Actually, as I was sitting in there this time, because I don't walk around like, you know, you walk into it and there's these like beautiful murals on the sides and you like walk past the murals and you walk across the altar and then you walk around the other murals. It's kind of like a Disneyland loop. <laughs> you want to like just go in and see the pictures and then go out, and which, which is what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's, you know, the few pews in the middle. And so I don't actually walk the loop anymore. I just go right in and I find a pew spot and I sit down and I just like stay there as long as I can. Mm. And uh, this time it was really cool because it was a holiday in Mexico. I don't remember which, I think it was Mexican independence when we were there. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of people. It was like Guadalupe's Day style. Like there were people that had come in from all over. And so there was this group of people all dressed in white and they were singing um, terrible singers as usual, right? But so much like love and devotion. And I was just sitting there like sobbing, Mm. not because I was sad, but because it was just so beautiful. And I was having that like, you know, being super empathic like I am, just feeling that love. And I was just like sitting there and just like sobbing. Mm. And that's just what that place is to me. Like, you know, and it's, it's also a place where everybody brings their sorrow. You know, they bring, everybody brings their sorrow to the mother Mm because she's the one who can, who can, transform that sorrow into energy and um, like cosmically compost it is like the mother's job. And so there's that there too. There's all of this deep sorrow, but it's all being like sent back into the world as this like love and devotion. And so when I go there, I just sit down and like just feel it, like dream into it for as long as I can. And I had this like realization while I was there. I was like, man, if I lived here, I would come here all the time and just sit here and then like, 
you know, go out and, and write or journal or something afterwards because I feel like I always just have there's just so much love and inspiration and it all just flows into me like so strongly when I'm in that little church up on the hill. Like mm, I feel that way in, in the church of the well. Okay. That's where I get it. Yeah. The deep, deep drop in, which feels like when we're talking about these energetic places, I guess it's hard to describe because it's, it's unseen. It's the esoteric and everybody has a different experience of it. But I could say like, I've got like my normal waking consciousness and the way that I move through the world and the way that the world feels which is a sort of a neutrality, I guess. And then when I'm in places, specific spots in Teo or like at the Basilica, and just when I was in Maui too during the Kirtans, when you're, I, for me, what it feels like when I'm in a place that's energetically opening or high vibration, it feels like there's a density to it, like mm-hmm. a weight, like a heaviness comes in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me... I guess it depends because sometimes it feels like a heaviness or like a different weight. Like you said, like um, in Teo, especially there's a couple spots in Teo where I get definitely get that. Um, For me, it feels like my heartbeat changes and my, like my pulse is different. Is what faster or slower? Yeah. And it goes either way. It's not mm-hmm. one or the other, but it just, it feels like I've entered almost like a different dimension. Mm-hmm. And like, so the air is different and the light is different. And so it feels to me like my body just automatically is like, oh, well, in this energy, in this gravity, in this light, this is how your heart has to beat. Hmm. And this is how your blood has to flow to keep you like in your body in this place. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a heaviness too, but it just depends. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely, there's a significant just difference in the feeling or I'll sweat a lot. That happens too. Hmm. I'll just get really sweaty for no reason, even if I'm cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's like a, a it's well, it's so ineffable. It's really hard to describe, but right. I know viscerally what it feels like in my body mm-hmm. when I'm having those openings and connections mm-hmm. into those places. It was happening too when I, when I was just in Maui last week with Ramdas on the opening night ceremony, when he came out, just like the whole field shifted and got deeper and bigger. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. Again, it's really just hard to try to explain it's, it. It's like being in Shavasana mm-hmm. and not quite being asleep, right? Like being in that space between asleep and awake and feeling like you definitely couldn't move your body or you your could- body moves by itself. Exactly. Like you couldn't physically be like, I'm going to move my arm. But if your arm wants to move, like it will move. Yeah. When I was just with Ramdas that opening night, my head was wanting to move just right and left, side to side. It was just like, almost like moving through water. Mm -hmm. Just, And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to let this happen. I have no idea what it means or why that's happening. But this movement is coming through me in this moment now. Yeah. That actually reminds me. So um, you've read the book Eat, Pray, Love, right? Who hasn't read April? Exactly. Okay. But the part where she's learning how to meditate, she talks about this feeling where she has to like move her head. Like she can't meditate unless she like moves her head a certain way. And then like the minute she moves her head, all of a sudden it's like she can be still and she can be quiet and everything is fine. I'd forgotten about that part. I don't remember it. I think that was maybe like the only part that I like, I was like, oh, that makes total sense. It does make sense. Yeah. It does make sense. 
But yeah, it's super indescribable at the same time. <laughs> it is. But so for you, it's the place of the well. That that is happening. Yeah. Okay. There's a man that we haven't talked about in association with Teotihuacan and the Dreaming House. That's Alberto, mm-hmm. who's the patriarch of the Dreaming House. <laughs> Alberto. <laughs> whose family owns the property that's on the ancient side of Teotihuacan that the Dreaming House, where you go and stay, is built. Mm-hmm. And his family runs the Dreaming House, which mm-hmm. is like, for lack of a better word, the retreat center, but it's not that. Yeah, when it is a guest house too. Yeah. So like anybody can book a room and stay there. So he's kind of, and he's a crystal carver and a magician for sure and a nagual for sure and a shaman for sure. Kurandera. A curandero, yeah. For sure. And so he's often with us and he was with us a lot in the beginning, the earlier trips that I went on. He used to come with us more. Mm-hmm. Like he would come with us to the Basilica. And I think it was the first time that I was there. And we went into the church of the well and there's a portal in the middle where that string is coming down from the center, that wire, you know, we'll sometimes go and stand under it. For me, when I go there and stand there, it's like a loopy vertigo swirly feeling that can happen in my body. And Alberto was like, Marissa, you go and you stand there. I'm like, okay. And he brought me there and he went back and sat down. And I was standing there and you kind of have your eyes closed and your hands down by your side and you're like, it's like a whoop. Like a root, it mm. dropped in on the spot, right? Like, like I was describing, almost like a, like a strong density arriving feeling. And inside of my body, in my, at like center chest, like sternum heart space, it was like a, like a, like a, like a tap, tap, tap. Like I felt it come from <laughs> knock, inside knock, of knock. my body. It's like tapping internally, like three taps. I'm like, wow, that was weird. And then I go and I sat back down again and Alberto leaned forward. He was behind me. He said, did you feel that? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I felt that. He's, yeah, he is amazing. Like, yeah. And he doesn't do much with us. He did actually come with us into the city. Him and Veronica came into the city, his wife, mm-hmm. and uh, had dinner with us, which was really fun. That's and sweet. Veronica and I had, she speaks, she refuses to speak English, which I think is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to speak Spanish. It's it's a slow process, but I'm working on it. But so we had this like Spanglish conversation going on uh-huh. and we were just giggling like little baby children. And it was one of like the highlights of the trip for me was just having that connection with her because she's just such a mama, right? It goes back to that family. Like she runs that kitchen at the dreaming house, like the tightest ship and she doesn't have time for conversation while she's there because she is working. Mm-hmm. And she keep deeply cares for everyone. Oh, That's so much. Mm-hmm. She makes sure everybody has what they need. Like all of our diets are met, all of our weird things. Like I can't have this and I don't eat that. Like it's all taken care of. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And the food is so amazing at the Dreaming House. Let's let's give a take a moment of silence mm. for the food at the Dreaming House. Mm. <laughs> so good. Well, that thanks for having a Teo conversation yeah, with me. Thanks. And I know that you're, like you said, you went there your third time and you're coming out or doing more with your power, quote unquote. Yes. So, what is happening for you? What are you, what are you manifesting? What right. are you, who are you being now? What's <sighs> going on? I saw you use the word agape portal. Yeah. So that's, that was, um, that came to me before Teo. That was, I don't even think I was in my records at that point in time. I mean, I had, I'd been going into them, but I mean, 
I've only been reading the Akashic Records since the end of September. So a few months. Like not hardly at all. But it's just, you know, like when you're in the stream of something or when something feels right, it moves at like lightning fast speed and like you don't feel like you can keep up with it. Yes. Do you ever get that? Okay. That's what this feels like. I imagine that's maybe what your podcast felt like when you started creating yeah, it. Or it source like, too. Yeah. Just, I have this idea. And then like Cosmic Team is like, yes. And you're like, you're. I've got little notes all over with all these things and words and ideas. And I have a new website that I'm building. You know, just all this stuff that just like flows in so quickly. Um, and one of the things that I received was the word agape. And I was like, isn't that like a Christian rock band? Like, oh that my was gosh. like where my mind went because that word has been so taken by Christianity to mean this like love of God. But it doesn't. But Or it does, but it's the love of God within you, right? Yes. So agape is really all it means is the highest form of like the most devotional love you can feel. Yes. And when I got that word— and I looked it up because, again, my mind went straight to like a Christian, like new age Christian rock band kind of thing. You're <laughs> so like, I'm not naming my Bhakti band. I was like, Agape? Agape? No, I don't think so. And so <laughs> I had to actually look it up. And it took me a minute to actually find a definition beyond the Christian definitions. Like I had to kind of go dark web. It's it's Greek Roman. It is. Yeah. 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 Like Eros and Agape is yep. how I think of it. Yeah. It's like in Odysseus, it's a word that's used. Like it's very common. Mm-hmm. But it's just been kind of overtaken. And, um, but yeah, so when I finally realized that, yeah, that's what it means is like the highest form of love or the most devotional love, I was like, oh my God, yes, like that's it. That's me. Like that's what I feel for everyone. That's what I feel every time I go into someone else's Akashic records or connect with someone on that like soul place. Like I've been saying for probably the past, I don't know, two or three years. At the end of all my yoga classes, I say, I love you. And mm-hmm. then namaste. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that. And I have to. Like, it's this thing where it's like, I, I don't say it because of any reason other than one day it was like, you have to tell people that you love them as often as you possibly can. And I was like, well, the biggest group of people that I ever talk to is when I'm teaching yoga. So I'm going to say it. And so it kind of, that was the beginning of it. And I've been doing that for so long. Um, but yeah, when this word agape came to me, I was like, I just resonated with it really hard. And then, and then I, I don't know if the word portal came or somehow agape portal came. Like, I don't know if it, how it came to me, but it just showed up like things do. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's me. Like, that's what I am. I am the portal to agape. Like I am, that's my purpose, yes. right? Because we live our whole damn life and we're like, What's my purpose? Why am I here? Why am I here? What's my purpose? I need to go to another teacher to have them tell me why I'm here. Yes. Read tell another me book. who I am. Tell me who I am. <laughs> and I was like, that's who I am. That's why I'm here. That's why I've lived 2,600 lifetimes. How does it feel for you to say that? Amazing and easy. It doesn't feel hard or I don't feel nervous. Um, I don't who feel am anxious. I to say that? I don't feel that at all. Because I know it's so true. Like, it's mm-hmm. the truest truth I've ever known. Ever. I'm an agape portal. Yeah. I'm the agape portal. The or A? Are you it? Are you the? I feel like the. Okay. It feels like the. When I, like, when I feel it, it feels like the. That's what it feels like to me. Now, 
I'm not saying there aren't other portals to agape, right? Bhakti is a portal to agape. There's lots. Yeah. Absolutely. There's lots. But I think every portal has its own way in which it helps people to experience that. And at the end of the day, agape is 100% an inside job, right? Would you say that, oh man, yeah, you've been growing and transforming a lot over the past few years and more accelerated, it seems, in the past couple years. Yeah. If I could reflect that. I don't know if that's your totally. truth. Well, yeah, you've known me. And... So it feels like an integration mm-hmm. of the work that you've been doing and the process that you've been through and you've gotten nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nicer. <laughs> but I'm still sassy. Less edgy. Yes. The edges have dissolved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The boundaries that I have for myself are firmer and clearer, but they're less, they're less spiky. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, and that's it's all tied together, right? Totally. So, like, less judgment of self mm-hmm. is less judgment of others. Absolutely. More love of self is more love of others. The more you love mm-hmm. yourself, the bigger your agape portal is. And now you're letting other people into this love zone that you have ha- always mm-hmm. had, anyways, internally. But now you're like, come into it too, and I'll share it with you. Yes. Yes. Because now I can. Like, I feel open to that. I feel. And available. that's, um, I think it's something that can only happen or ha- happens. It's like a maturing, mm-hmm. a ripening. Totally. It can only happen with age. It can only happen with time. You can only get there once you've gotten there. And I know when we're younger, I felt this way. And I, you probably did too. Like you think that you are there. Absolutely. It's like you can feel the frequency of so who you are. So many times I thought I was there. <laughs> I bet in it's 10 years, true. I'll say it again. Yeah. Like, oh, remember when I thought I was there yes. when I was 38? Now I'm now I'm really there. And it's almost <laughs> like an empathic connection to what is inherently very true. It's mm-hmm. the core of your being. But because of the stuff that we haven't worked through yet, because mm-hmm. we haven't, you just have to have the time to have gone through it. Mm-hmm. Is it. Exactly. And you've gone through a lot. Yeah recently and over your lifetime. And so now it's landed and embodied in a different way. Absolutely. That you wanted it to be before, like I did, like we all do. Mm -hmm. And then now you're like, oh no, this is it. Yeah. This feels the most like it so far in my life, in this lifetime. It feels the closest to it yet. I'm sure it will feel more like it as I just continue Mm -hmm. on this path. Like it will only continue to, to grow and change. But I think that's another thing too is you become more grateful for that change and more open to it. I know I do anyway. Like granted, okay, so double Scorpio, lots of Pluto going on in my chart. Transformation is like my jam. I'm like, oh, new lifetime? Great. Oh, new lifetime? Great. Oh. In a lifetime. Yeah. And just like, oh, shadow work? Yeah, I'm into it. Shadow work? Yeah, I'm into it. Like the dark places have always been easy for me to get to and go to. Hmm. It's integrating that into the light now. And that's where I'm at now that feels different because it's not staying in the shadow. Well, it's real transformation. Right. If it's actually into the uncomfortable zone, the new place. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it feels feels good. And and I'm excited. I'm excited just to see um, and to feel and experience my life in this higher frequency. You know, mm-hmm. 
And you're sharing it more with others. You said you're working on a new website, Corinne Hathaway. So I have CorinneHathaway.com already. And it's got a lot of yoga stuff on it. And it's got a lot of doTERRA stuff on it, which is all great and still a part of who I am. Um, I will teach yoga forever until I physically can't do it anymore. And even then I might teach from a chair. But I, I love yoga way too much to ever not do that. Um but I'm feeling really called. So right now, the way I have it set up because it was easier is I have a, um, there's like a page on CorinneHathaway.com where you can go to, it says Agape Portal and you can just click on it. And then it's basically just a link to book an Akashic Records reading with me. Um, and right now that's all I've got. But I'm working on a whole new website called AgapePortal.space mm-hmm. because it had to be .space because there's too many too many dimensions happening in this whole Agape Portal thing. Um, so that's coming, but it's not there yet. Okay. I want to work on it all day, every day, but that's not realistic. But you'll get there. But I'll get there. Super excited. Super excited for you in this next phase in your journey. I love it so much. (laughs) I'm so happy for you. Thank you for being such an amazing teacher and witness and friend and forcing me into some uncomfortable places that have really helped me. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Mm. I can't wait to get my Akashic Records read. Yeah. We'll book an appointment. Okay. All right. Well, I know you've got to get to another meeting. I do. So we'll close this for now, but I know we'll have we another conversation talking, soon and again. <laughs> and wonderful about Teo. And um, yeah. Thanks for yeah. listening, everybody. 